Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. We are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. And uh, alongside me, as always, is a Belly Up Sports Boston Red Sox beat writer, LJ LaFiora. LJ, who he uh, had a chance to go to the Red Sox game tonight. So, uh, yeah, he's he's back here in action and uh, ready to talk some baseball. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, of course, being at the game and all the requires of getting ready for it, didn't get to see a ton of the action from across the league, but I've gotten myself very well reviewed and would love to talk about it. Would love to get around to some different games. Well, let's get right into it. And I'm going to start it off with the Diamondbacks and the Reds. Uh, Easily the laser show of the day today, if there was. Both offenses, though, were held relatively in check for the first five innings. The Diamondbacks taking a two-to-one lead into the sixth after a Pavin Smith double. In the sixth, the Diamondbacks added on to the lead with a with a David Peralta home run to make it four to one. In the bottom half of that inning, Nick Castellanos and Eugenio Suarez both go yard to tie the game at four after six innings. Both teams would exchange four more runs each between the seventh and ninth innings. The Reds got it from home runs by a Jesse Winker, Joey Votto, and Jonathan India. 
And then the uh, Diamondbacks got their runs from singles by uh, the aforementioned uh, David Peralta, Wyatt Madison, and then a base-loaded walk to Eduardo Escobar. That meant that the game would be tied at eight going to extra innings. In the 10th inning, the Diamondbacks offense exploded. They collected five hits and scored six runs. The Reds would get three runs back in the bottom of the inning, but it was not enough, and Arizona walks away with a 14-11 victory in 10 innings. The win goes to Caleb Smith. The loss goes to Lucas Sims. The Diamondbacks are now 9-10, and and the Reds fall to 500 at 9-9. Arizona travels to Atlanta today. Luke Weaver taking on Huascar and Noah. The Reds travel to St. Louis and take on the Cardinals. It will be Sonny Gray versus Kwon Hyung Kim. Brandon, I think you're missing an incredibly important detail about this game. Okay. The nachos. <laughs> I'll have you uh, take that one away. Yeah, I mean, so this is now twice this year so far that a home run has deprived a fan of their beloved nachos. I'm not really sure why so many guys think it's such a great idea to bring nachos that close to the fence, but they see, seem to keep doing it anyways, Brandon. Is that the, first off, is that the concession of choice for you? And would that be the concession of choice if you were sitting in that position? No and no. Uh, I feel like if you're going to a baseball game, at least when I go, you either got to go with the classic hot dog and either that or possibly the the, the chicken tender bucket. The, mm. the the nachos, it just does not seem like a very logical choice, not only for like your first option to get a meal at the ballpark, but then to sit like that close to the field in home run territory. It's not a great option in my opinion. No, Brandon, I always go for the Fenway Frank, but I just would never choose those types of nachos for myself ever because they're all the same kind of the prepackaged stuff, which I look things look absolutely disgusting. The cheese looks almost like fake, like they just put spray cheese into a bin. And then I'm not sure if you've tasted those chips, but they're like twice as salty as any other nacho chip you'll ever have and have just like the depth of it or something. I'm not sure what exactly about it. I do not like, but it grosses me out. But Brandon, you know what Arizona said to Cincinnati, right? What did they say? That's Nacho Win. <laughs> that is Nacho Win. Right there's the title for this one. That was all, that also that also was Nacho fans nachos. That is also true. <laughs> all right, let's get on into the Red Sox and Mariners. The certainly game of the day for me as I was at said game. The Red Sox got runners going early, but could only capitalize on a Rafael Devers home run, his sixth of the year, and a Hunter Renfro RBI single. Starter Nick Pavetta had a no-hitter going for five and two-thirds of an inning when, after walking two batters, Franchi Cordero misread a line drive to left, allowing the game-tying hit. In the seventh inning, Kike Hernandez mustered a leadoff triple, only to take the lead on a wild pitch, one out later, 3-2 socks. This lead, Brandon, was held until the top of the next inning when Adam Adovino entered and showed no command and allowed the first two runners on. 
Adovino then fielded the bunt by Crawford and spiked a 90-mile-an-hour cutter at Rafael Devers' feet, going clear past him and giving up that lead. It is now 3-3, everybody. This game will go on, end up going going into extras where Darwin's and Hernandez comes in for Boston and frankly threw everywhere, but the strike zone. He followed this up by giving up an O2 homer to right center as part of a four run game winning inning. Give the win to Rafael Montero of Seattle. And of course the loss to Darwin's and Hernandez. Now, Brandon, uh, I'll let you add some, any thoughts you might have on this game before I go into our newest segment of the show. Yeah, uh, at least my thoughts on the this game. The the Red Sox bullpen could only do so much. You know, you you get a clean inning out of Matt Andrees, and then Adam Adovino comes in and uh, gives up a run. Then you get a clean inning out of Matt Barnes, and then Dar Darwin's on Hernandez comes in. So it's just it was a tough night for the, the Red Sox all around. And I'm sure uh, being at the game, it must've been very frustrating. You know, it was frustrating just because the issues were so clearly within their control. I mean, I only mentioned one there. However, in that four run over, uh, extra inning, Franchi Cordero misread another hit. I believe. Yeah, it was there. Yeah. That was where it was, but basically runs were scored on two balls hit in the left that should have been outs. If he had gotten the read on it, if he had been a more above average fielder, he gets there. He makes that play. Uh, Pavetta still has a no hitter going and Pavetta probably still maybe even goes out for another inning out of work. You move Andres back if you don't want to use Adovino because he's he's gotten a bit of work recently. But then even the pitching, which I'll get into in a second, I wouldn't. I'm not going to blame this bullpen going into the game. If I'm correct, they their, their top five guys had a 1.36 ERA. They've been absolutely fantastic this year. Nights like these happen where you don't have that control, as long as they don't make a thing of it, like Garrett Richards. But it's the unforced errors that really kill me. And so that's why we're introducing my net, my new segment, LJ's bucket timeout. Brandon probably hasn't heard this story. However, um, basically this one goes back to the 2018 season. Brandon, if you recall, Craig Kimbrell pretty much self-destructed to finish that season. His last two, his last three months, he was getting saves but every single one of them was as messy as humanly possible, even in the playoffs. Do you recall that at all? Uh, I do recall Craig uh, Kimbrell in the 2018 playoffs not being what I'm used to seeing out of him. Yeah, so this, uh, this actually came during the playoffs where I finally just got so sick of him that I walk up into Papa Elge's office one day in the middle of, I want to say it was the Yankees series when he had a really messy save and he was like, that's atrocious. That should not have happened, blah, 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 blah. And I finally get so heated that I say, you know, the next game, don't even use him. Just sit him in the, sit him in the corner of the bullpen on a bucket of balls and make him think about what he's done. Of course, it's probably the biggest overreaction for one of the uh, best closers in the game over the past decade. But 
at the same time, he did deserve it. That was an atrocious couple months there. And so now I've got my new list of guys who, for the moment, until they prove me otherwise, are on my hate list that, frankly, should deserve to get heckled by the fans as they sit staring into the corner on a bucket of balls. First guy here, Brandon, is Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor has been the punching bag of just about every MLB offense for the past two years while he's been up. It's one of those things you're not going to put him in until you need a guy to eat innings late. And if you want somebody to take you out of the game and make sure the fans know that they can go home early, Josh Taylor is your guy. Of course, they had a one-run deficit yesterday against Toronto. That was a winnable game. It's a moot point, the fact that they didn't get any runs on the board being down more. It's a different mentality you bring into a one-run game than you do a four- or five-run game. Josh Taylor was the reason it was a four- or five-run game. Brandon, I think the best way to liken this is like at Thanksgiving, Josh Taylor's that uncle that comes and gets really freaking drunk and just becomes such a nuisance and bother to the party that you get completely distracted or overloaded by that on top of all of the other family garbage that happens during a family holiday, like all of the frustrating getting each other's hair. He just puts it right over the top, makes sure everyone's right on there. My next victim here is Adam Adovino. Get in the corner and think about what you've done, sir. I understand the control isn't always going to be there. These guys are human. However, you cannot just whip the ball at a guy's feet and expect that to be a good play. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Brandon. There was no conceivable way that Rafael Devers caught that ball. It was coming way too fast at him and straight at the ground, rolls right by, and that's why you're in a tie game in the first place. We've seen it so many times. Just take the easy runner at first. Let the two guys go over on the bunt. It's not the end of the world to give that up. Just don't make that stupid mistake. They, they were the benefactor of that in, in Minnesota a couple weeks ago. So I don't know how you can see that and then think, okay, it's going to be fine if I tr- try it there other than a complete brain fart. My last guy, this one really bugs me. Darwin's and Hernandez, go in the corner and think about what you've done, sir. Of course, another guy with absolute control issues. I'm not going to put it all on him out after the uh, hit that I was talking about before. But Brandon, you're, you've got an 0-2 count. What's the one thing you can't do? Hit the get. Hit the batter. You can't hit the batter. What's the, what's the other thing you can't do? Balk. <laughs> what's the third thing you can't This is the third thing you cannot oh, do is give the batter something to hit. How are you serving him up something that he can smash into the home bullpen, the farther bullpen? The farthest part of the farther bullpen, it might as well have been in the bleacher seats. How can you allow that you know, extra innings when you haven't been able to hit the strike zone all day? All of a sudden, you get two in there, and you got to give a soft serve one right down the middle. Like that, that's just an inexcusable error. I would have rather seen him put one in the dirt than I would have seen him throw that pitch. So those three need to go in the corner until they prove me something else. That's the end of my rant. Sorry.
<laughs> You're good. Uh, very passionate uh, rant from LJ's a bucket timeout. Uh, I guess so. We're not sure how often that this uh, that this a segment's going to be. Just whenever you feel like a player needs to be called out. Is that correct? It's going to be whenever Josh Taylor pitches. <laughs> Let's be real here. Let's move on to the Miami Marlins and the San Francisco Giants. All three runs in the game were scored in the bottom of the first by the Giants. A, a Darren Ruff uh, double and then a Kirk Asali single put them out to a 3-0 lead, and that was all they needed for the win. Give the win to Aaron Sanchez, who's now 1-1 one one on the year. He goes five innings of two-hit scoreless ball for the Giants. The loss goes to uh, the Miami Marlins starter, Anthony Castano. He goes five innings along five hits, three runs, and striking out two. The save goes to Jake McGee, his seventh save of the year. I'll be talking about him a little bit later. The Giants improve to 12-7. and seven. The Marlins fall to 8-10. and 10. Today's matchup between these two teams uh, features Sandy Alcantara starting for the Miami Marlins, and he'll be taking on Alex Wood of the Giants. All right, next up, we've got the Tigers and the Pi Pirates. The Pirates scored four runs in this game, all on singles. They had a total of nine hits. That reminds me, Brandon, last thing I will mention about this Red Sox game, but it just it goes to show you just how rough a day it was. Seven runs on three hits. No bueno. Uh, Akil Badu tripled in the fifth of it, of it being two to zero, driving in a run to make it two one. Then Jacoby Jones added a homer to tie the game two two. Akil tried to Badu it all today, but, but was robbed of a home run in the seventh and had to settle for a double. The Pirates, of course, go on to add those last two runs and win 4-2. to two. Give the win to Sam Hauer, the loss to Jose Cisnero, and the save to Richard Rodriguez, his second in two days, two-day streak. All right. On to the Yankees taking on the Cleveland Indians. First game of a uh, four-game set this weekend. The Indians scored three runs in the first inning, singles coming from Eddie Rosario and Josh Naylor. The Yankees would respond in the third inning on RBI hits from DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres to tie the game at three. In the seventh, the Yankees would take the lead on a Rugnet or Odor single, making it five to three Yankees. Kyle Higashioka went yard to add on to the lead, and the Yankees win six to three. Give the win to Domingo Herman, who, after allowing those three runs in the first inning, really settled down. He goes six innings, allowing seven hits. Uh, only two of those runs are earned, and he strikes out six batters. The loss goes to Nick Whitgren out of the Cleveland bullpen. And give the save to Araldis Chapman, another guy who I will be talking about uh, later. The Yankees are now 7-11, and 11, and the Indians fall to 8-9. and nine. These two meet again today, and it will be Jordan Montgomery going for the Yankees, and he'll be taking on Logan Allen. Next up, we got the Angels and the Astros. The Astros got all over starter Alex Cobb today, needing only two and two-thirds of an inning to bounce him from the game with six earned runs. 
The Astros added runs in the fourth and fifth, so Albert Pujols' garbage time dinger only stopped the shutout. The Astros win 8-2. Give the win to Christian Javier, his second of the year. He went five innings of shutout ball, striking out nine. The loss will be given, of course, to Alex Cobb. Two and two-thirds an inning, six earned runs. Brandon, these two teams will play today. And frankly, Houston might as well not even put their entire starting lineup out there because this talent-wise does not seem like a fair matchup on the starter end. You got Zach Greinke going up against Andrew Heaney. Those two names do not match up. But Brandon, are you surprised to see this performance from the Angels' ace today in Alex Cobb? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Uh I don't know how many times we're going to have to talk about it on this show, but I guess until me and you get our point across, uh, the Angels really have messed up these last few years. Uh, how they go into each offseason and still not realize that they need to get uh, a good starting pitcher that's not like at best a three or a four. And isn't also their DH. <laughs> LJ, you were a very a disappointed that the Angels lost this one because you uh, had something about Albert Pujols. Is that correct? Yeah, I have a great home run call for him eventually. Of course, I've been really working on making a focus of those. Would have been the perfect time to use it. But, of course, a 8 nothing game becoming an 8-2 game is just not the time or place for celebrating that home run too much. So we will have to wait for another day maybe for his second home run next month and see how it goes. Actually, is that his, was that his first home run of the year? I haven't actually checked. That. I didn't no, actually check no, that. I don't think so. I feel like he, I feel like he hit something earlier before they realized that Jared Walsh was actually good at baseball and stopped playing him. Uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Hold on. I'm checking. Uh, this is his third. Okay. So it won't be too long until I get my call. If they win is a different story. <laughs> yeah. On to the Mets and the Cubs. The Cubs scored three runs in the third inning on a single from Wilson Contreras and then a Chris Bryant double. Pete Alonso cut into the lead with a two-run home run in the fourth. The Mets would trail three to two until the seventh inning when J.D. Davis hit a double to tie it at three. The game would go to extras and in the 10th, Jason Hayward would walk it off with a single to give the Cubs a 4-3 to win. Give the win to Dan Winkler. The loss goes to Edwin Diaz. Both teams are now at 500. The Cubs 9-9 nine and, nine and the Mets 7-7. Seven and seven. The Cubs start a series hosting the Brewers today with Brett Anderson taking on Kyle Hendricks. The Mets host the Nationals today. Eric Fetty will take on Jacob DeGrom. And then the last game of the night, uh, certainly uh, the game that I was most excited for today, other than the Yankees, we get our second uh, Dodgers-Padres series starting. Of course, they uh, put on a show last weekend, and tonight's game was also very entertaining. Uh, let's get right into it. It was a scoreless first three innings until Manny Machado ripped a single off of Dodgers starter Walker Bueller to make it 1-0 Padres. In the sixth inning, Trent Grisham would go deep to make it 2-0 San Diego. 
The Dodgers offense, though, would come alive once they got starter Ryan Weathers out of the game uh, for San Diego. And the, the Dodgers offense in the seventh, they get back-to-back -back home runs from A.J. Pollock and Sheldon Noose, and that ties the game at two. However, the Padres do go on to score again. Uh, it was a Fernando Tatis hitting into a, a double play with the bases loaded, and that uh, would score a run. That would make it three to two, and that's your final score. The Padres take game one in Los Angeles. The win goes to Nabel Krismat out of the San Diego bullpen, uh, but their starter, Brian Weathers, uh, was absolutely untouchable tonight. Five and two-thirds, allowing one hit, and that hit came from Walker Bueller. Uh, so every player in the, the Dodgers lineup who was not a pitcher uh, failed to get a hit. He goes five and two-thirds, a hit, no runs, one walk, and striking out sixth. The loss in this game goes to Blake Trinan out of the, the Dodgers bullpen. Their starter was, of course, a Walker Bueller. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs, striking out nine. Not a bad performance from him. The Padres improved to 11 and 10. The Dodgers now sit at 14 and 5. Today's matchup should be an awesome one as we have you Darvish taking on Clayton Kershaw. LJ, uh, I'm not sure how, how much of this game you were able to watch, but now that you heard the uh, recap, uh, what's your reaction to the first game of the series? I love this rivalry. Yeah. And I just make sure it's very clear that this is, it's certainly not one of the greatest in all of sports. I cannot give it that over one year. However, this is certainly one of the things that's going to get me the most excited. It's not like, it's not like Kentucky and, or uh, Kentucky, uh, UNC and Duke are really moving the needle this year with their stuff. Red Sox and Yankees, of course, will always, but like, it's not on that level. However, this is instant entertainment value. I would love to see the ratings on these show these uh, games standalone because I'm sure they are great. Any any mate all around baseball fan is going to want to see these two teams face off. So it's very interesting to see them do two back to back weekends for that. I think it's kind of fun. Oh yeah, uh, I'm really I'm excited. Sorry, go ahead. When I saw that it was back-to-back -back weekends, that just uh, made me even more excited. The fact that we uh, get this right at the start of the season, too. Yeah, and what I'm also very excited about is that you've got here the majority of the time here. Now you're going to have the heart of the lot of rotations going up against each other. I mean, I, I cannot understate how excited I am for Darvish Kershaw. That's going to be a really fun pitching matchup as long as one of the offenses doesn't ruin it. And I really hope for the best out of that. I love a good, I love a well-pitched game. There's going to be quite a few uh, great, great pitching matchups this weekend. Not only do we have you Darvish versus Clayton Kershaw today uh, in the Yankees uh, Indian series, I believe Saturday, the projected starters is a Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber. So that should be a fun one. Uh, in the, the Dodgers and Padres game Saturday, it, it will be Blake Snell versus Trevor Bauer. So, uh, yeah, we have uh, 
high potential for, for one of those games to be uh, very, very good. Brandon, you're forgetting about a game that's going to happen today that's going to be a huge pitching matchup. Oh, A's, A's Orioles, Cole Irvin versus Jorge Lopez. Will Cole Irvin get his ERA under four? Will Jorge Lopez get it under eight? We'll have to watch and see, won't we? Will the A's uh, keep their winning streak alive? Uh, we're certainly going to talk about the A's uh, as this they is will. our. They will. Jorge Lopez gives up six runs. <laughs> this is our week three recap. Uh, we're going to get on to, the, to that in a little bit uh, right after the PPP. But uh, yeah, we're going to be going over all uh, a much more extended. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Leaderboard look, we're gonna look at all the division standings. And then me and LJ both have a, uh, one team who's hot and one team who's not right now uh, over the past week. But LJ, it's hard to believe we've are, we're already three full weeks into the season. I know. It's just I, I'm surprised that we've gone along so smoothly. It's been great building overall, just so much content, being able to get it out, having people listen to it, enjoy it be able to feel they're not knowledgeable about all aspects of the league and really just let's keep promoting and building this community this is probably a good time to plug that i will be on again i believe tonight as long as nothing changes on otp tonight eight to nine i will definitely tweet if something changes with that it'll all just depend for me but now we've got the ppp particular players people might care about my first guy is going to be from that Red Sox game, and that's Alex Verdugo. Verdugo had quite the day, especially early, starting off in that first inning with a triple. He absolutely murders a rope down the right field line, gets it right into that little pipeline you want to get the uh, out right fielder chasing, and then stops right in the right next to the wall. He's got to go all the way there, stop, get down and get it. Makes it a very easy and doable triple for him. And then on his neck, they don't, I should probably uh, preface with, they don't score him. (laughs) And then he gets his next one up, ends up hitting a single, steals second base uncontested, and then steals third and at bat later. So, I mean, really just a great, a really solid game from him. A lot of fun to watch. They have the, everybody had runners moving today. So it was really fun to see that stuff. 
The first guy I want to talk about is Aroldis Chapman. Uh, I had mentioned earlier that he picked up his third save of the year this year. And uh, so far, his stats this season have been absolutely ridiculous. So he's thrown six innings. Uh, so that's a total of 18 outs. Okay. Uh, out of those outs, he, or out of those six innings, he has two hits, no earned runs allowed. No, no, uh, even unearned runs allowed. Also, three walks and 16 of those 18 outs have come by way of strikeout. That puts his FIP, which is fielder independent pitching, which basically means, uh, when it comes down to the three true outcomes walks, strikeouts, and home runs, what would your ERA be? Uh, if there was, if you didn't have fielders. He is currently at a negative 0.75 fifth. Uh, cannot be understated what he's, he's doing this year. Not only him, but also Craig Kimbrell, a guy that we had talked about earlier in this show. But it's nice to see those two guys who some think of as aging closers now uh, be really, really dominant to start the year. Yeah, my next guy, Alex Bregman from that bashing of the Angels today and Alex Cobb. He went three for four with three RBIs, led the team in that game. Really just a great all-around team win at two. On to David Peralta for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, he had himself a career game today. Uh, this is probably the best single game hitting stat line uh, I would, I've seen so far this season. Five for six. Seven RBIs, a home run, and a triple. Uh, it's not a bad day. No, not bad at all. All right, so the last guy I've got going here, Brandon, did you see Jesus Aguilar's play at first base? That play made me go, sheesh. Yes, that play from a couple of days ago. Uh, LJ, you can explain it better than I can, but he made – quite the I guess kind of he scooped the ball but then it came out of his glove and he was able to grab it with his bare hand he tried his best I mean and frankly you can't really blame you can certainly praise them for getting the good scoops but you can't blame them for not getting them by any means but yeah this happened and kind of slipped through the cracks for most people but Jesus Aguilar you've got Jazz Chisholm coming over ranging over at shortstop for a ground ball that's about to go off the middle. He makes the play, gets there, and then goes to throw on to first to beat the runner, puts it in the dirt a little bit. Jesus Aguilar goes through and tries to scoop it, but it ends up just popping up into the air. Brandon, he get, manages with some insane reflexes to be able to get out and grab the ball barehanded before, just barely before the runner came through. I believe it was Brandon Bell. I could be wrong on that. Or was it Brandon Crawford? It was Brandon Crawford. So really just incredible play there. I was not expecting to see that this evening when it came across my feed. Yes, uh, very, very nice play indeed. Well, uh, let's take an ex a little bit of an extended look at the leaderboards now that we are three full weeks into the season. Uh, as So we're going to start off with war as we do uh, every day. For the hitters, we have a tie for first place between Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna Jr. 
third place is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, so Trout and Cunha have 1.6. Vladdy has 1.3. And then after him, it goes uh, Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper, Jazz Chisholm, and then LJ's guy, Joey Wendell. No Ooh. batting gloves himself. No, sir. Yeah, As I was looking at this list was- earlier. We somehow managed within this group to get one, not two, but three guys from my top 10 favorite players in the league right now onto this war for hitters list. If you haven't checked that episode out, please certainly go back if you can and find that in the end of, that was the end of March, right? We were still in March. Yes, because the first game was on the first. Yep. So, so go back and check that out. We went through all of our top guys, just guys we like in the league, and some of them came up here. Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot of fun to record, so make sure that you go check that one out. But uh, as for war for pitchers, we have a three-way tie for first between Tyler Glass now, Corbin Burns, and Garrett Cole. They all have 1.4. After those three, it comes Clayton Kershaw, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola, Shane Bieber, and then Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, surprised to see him up there, but uh, having himself a fantastic season. Yeah. As, yeah. as for war for the relief pitchers, uh, we have a tie for first with between Matt Barnes of the Red Sox and Mark Melanson of the Padres, they both have 0.6. And then Craig Kim- Kimbrell is right behind them, Araldis Chapman right behind Craig Kimbrell. As for a uh, batting average, it is Ronald Acuna Jr. He's hitting 419 this year. On base percentage, Mike Trout is at a 521 clip. Home runs, still Ronald Acuna Jr. with seven. RBIs is J.D. Martinez with 20. Walks is Joey Gallo with 20. Uh, for saves, it, we have two tied with seven, that being Jake McGee and Mark Melanson. They both picked up their seventh save uh, in games that we talked about today on this recap. For uh, losses for uh, pitchers, there's only one with four, and that is Carlos Martinez. Rough start for him so far. Strikeouts for hitters is Javier Baez with 31. Strikeouts for pitchers is Shane Bieber with 48. And then for a, 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 a defensive stat, I'm using outs above average from a baseball savant. And so far, two players in the league have four outs above average at their respective positions. And that is a Gavin Lux and Matt Chapman. So they can be considered the best uh, defensive players so far this year. But uh, uh, okay. real quick. Anything, yeah. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about uh, within this uh, leader, within these leaderboards here? Really explained outs above average to the common fan. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this right out of Baseball Savant's website for y'all. Outs above average is the cumulative effect of all individual plays a fielder has been credited or debited with. 
making it a range-based metric, a fielding skill that accounts for the number of plays made and the difficulty of them. So if a fielder who catches a 25% out probability gets plus 0.75, one who fails to make that play gets minus 0.25. So of course, the harder the play, the bigger the the reward, the less the risk. So it really goes to show just who has that range to make those insane plays on a regular basis without like major mistake is going to be incredibly successful there. Those are the types of guys you want to see in major positions. Of course, I wouldn't necessarily call second base a major defensive position, but Matt Chapman at third base, hot corner, very impressive to have four outs above average already. Well, let's move on to uh, the standings right now. Uh, LJ, would you like to take us through the leaders in the American League? Yeah, so in the AL East, you have the Boston Red Sox at 12 and 8 now, still standing in first in the American League East. Kansas City at 10 and 7 is leading the Central. And in the West, you've got the 12 and 7 Mariners. As for the National League, you have the, the a tie in the NL East between the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets. The, the Phillies are 9-9, nine and nine, the Mets are 7-7. Seven and seven. In the NL Central, it is the Milwaukee Brewers uh, who lead. They sit at 11-7. In the NL West, it is the Los Angeles Dodgers who lead. They sit at 14-5. And uh, that will parlay us right into our who's hot, who's not. Uh, We each have picked two teams from each league, or I picked two teams from the NL. LJ picked two teams from the NL, one who's hot, one who's not. LJ, would you like to start with the American League, and you can pick whichever team you want, the one that's hot or the one that's not? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start with the one that's hot because there's an obvious choice here and one that I kind of just completely misread there. I should have said that the West is a tie between the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland Athletics, who are both at 12 and 7. Oakland is clearly the hottest team in the entire league right now. Started out the season 0-6. I think they were our first cold team, maybe even my first cold team of the year. They're now, of course, 12 and 7, winners of 11 straight. Just fantastic. Fantastic bounce back from such a disappointing start to the year. I'm going to start with uh, the team that I think or that is hot in the, the, the National League, and that is the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, like I said, they lead the NL Central. Uh, they've currently won three games in a row in seven of their last ten. Uh, big thanks to a uh, pitching from Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, the rest of that bullpen. Uh, LJ, as for Oakland, um, I totally agree. That's who I would have picked. It's really hard to pick against a team like them who has won 11 in a row. But, uh, you know, we saw Oakland get absolutely thrashed the, the, those first few series because their their pitching couldn't really do anything. and. On that streak that they've had, uh, they've had very, very good pitching, and that's very similar to why I picked the the Brewers was because their their pitching is just a stepping up when it needs to. 
Yeah, I feel like at this point in the season, if you can start yourself off strong, regardless of how good your team actually is, you're going to end up in such a good position. Like, not not to beat on the Yankees. I'm not trying to do that here. However, it's just a good example of, like, the way that 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 team is producing is very similar to the way that the Mets have produced for years with Jacob deGrom, where they're not capitalizing on him having Garrett Cole on the mound. It hasn't felt like, like they're not giving him a ton of run support. If you're not giving Garrett Cole run support where it's a, com- it's a comfortable bullpen session after he leaves the game, then it just becomes so much harder to climb back, climb your way back in the standings. If you cannot guarantee wins out of a potential Cy Young competitor, former Cy Young award winner, don't you think? Oh yeah, uh, I I totally agree. Uh, I'd say that the the uh, the Yankees certainly aren't as bad as as the Mets or even the the Tampa Bay Rays as we've seen how bad their run support has been for their ace Tyler Glass now this year. But yeah, uh, you know I I wonder too if 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 sometimes it's these offenses putting too much pressure on themselves when they realize that like. That would they have their top pitcher pitching? I wonder if they feel more inclined and more more pressure to score runs than they do when when they don't have a top pitcher pitching. I don't know. That's just something I was thinking about. And oh, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? You see, I think the exact opposite. I think, especially in a rotation that's maybe a little less deep, such as the Mets have been over the past couple of years. You know. Not saying they weren't, but realistically, in their best couple of years after 2015, they were three pitchers deep. They had DeGrom, they had Syndergaard, they had uh, Wheeler. But past that, there wasn't a lot in the four or five. So if you're the lineup, you're so overly focused on supporting particularly, I mean, even I'll go ahead and say supporting for Wheeler, but less so, but supporting for the back end of that rotation, all of a sudden, Jacob DeGrom comes back around and you kind of can easily fall, fall into a false sense of security thinking, okay, we're not going to have to, we're not going to have to outscore the other team. We're not going to have to score nine runs to win this game. And so by doing that, you're not on the same edge. You don't have the same edge that you have at the bottom of the rotation, which frankly probably shouldn't be able to be kept all season that that mentality however it's too steep a let off sometimes I think when you have a really great guy yeah I'm uh I'm certainly not uh in a hundred percent agreeance with you as you took the exact uh, opposite take that I did but you you do make a, a a great point there so uh yeah I mean I I think it all just comes down to you know, I wonder how how much of it is actually random, and whether it's just like, oh, they 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 don't score runs when their best starting pitchers on the mound. Like, how much of that really uh, comes down to you know what what we're talking about? But uh, it yeah. also might be mental now too, especially with the Mets. Of course, um, Tampa is just generally a streaky offense at times, so it's not like they have that. But that's been the entire storyline around Jacob Degrom. He's been winning Cy Youngs without one of the staple Cy Young stats, which is wins. After all, wins just show, while they're not entirely dependent on the pitcher, it shows 
whether the overall game is being executed, how well the game is being executed when he's out on the mound. And so because they can't get those wins, he's been winning Cy Youngs in spite of the offense. That's been the storyline for basically his entire prime career. Does that get in their head thinking, okay, we're a bad, we're a bad team when he's out there. We're a bad team when he's out there. You can only be told that so many times before you start to believe it yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's essentially what I was saying. Like, do they get in their own head? Uh, I know that a guy who was essentially the, the Jacob DeGrom prior to the prior to Jacob DeGrom, and that was Felix Hernandez. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who, uh, you know, he, the, the year he won the Cy Young, he didn't even make the all-star game because he, he had such a bad uh, win, win loss record. He, when, when he wins the Cy Young there in 2010, let's see what he was. He was 13 and 12 with a 2.27 ERA, and that led the league, and he was 13-12. and 12. Uh, I mean, that, that is a prime with Jacob De, DeGrom numbers. The, the next year, he goes 14-14 and 14 with a 3.47 ERA. Just never really got the, the run support, and, and, you know, that's exactly what we see with the Jacob DeGrom. But, uh, yeah, LJ, uh, do you want to talk about your team that is not hot? Yeah, real quick, though, I just put Jacob oh, DeGrom yeah. in the baseball reference. I think the biggest hit on his legacy is the fact that right below Jacob DeGrom comes Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> when you type in and when you start typing. <laughs> uh, I don't want uh, to talk about him. Honestly, that's the one thing that the Red Sox and the Yankees have in common. I was thinking about it earlier. Just an absolute hatred for Jacoby Ellsbury. Which is a real shame, too, when you think about it, because, like, he was a very good player in Boston. He, when he went to New York, he was still a very good player. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he I, forget if he, I forget if he, I forget how high a spot he went, but he was a legitimate uh, player. Yeah, he ended up, he finished second in MVP in 2011. So, like, this this guy wasn't a scrub by any means, but you now have the way the way things went with him, the way he left Boston and went to New York, and then the way things went so terribly in New York. You have now you have now gone from being a really intriguing and fun young player to being hated in literally every market you spent your career in. Yeah. I mean, when you have the career arc that he had, uh, I think that that'll do it. When you have the injury proneness of a wet French fry, that's going to happen. Absolutely. All right, yeah, but my team that is not hot of our who's hot and who's not is the Minnesota Twins. Brandon, the Minnesota Twins are 1-9 and nine in their last 10 games. I'm pretty sure that one win came on this like uh, fluky walk off against the Red Sox in like the 10th inning. It was just, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's the type of one that you're not really mad about. It was just like, you know, those here and there hits. So like, it wasn't like they, it wasn't like they put together a game of pure dominance. Like it's not like they won five to two and had a nice strong save to really give them any confidence. Then you factor in the fact that they've had, 
uh, the two sets of twins that got COVID, that just, that kills any momentum you may have had. So it's just a, it's a, it's a really tough spot. They're really just, they're trying to run uphill here in Minnesota. Yeah. uh, I guess you could kind of say the same thing about my team. That's not hot. And that's the, the Cincinnati Reds, you know, uh, these, these two teams both have very good offenses. The, the Reds have probably up there with the, the Red Sox, the, statistically the best offense in the league this year but it's just been the pitching that has been uh, letting them down pretty much the opposite of my two teams that were hot but the Reds they're three and seven in their last 10 have lost four in a row and now they're at 500 after once being nine and five they're they're nine and nine Uh, you know they still have a, a very good a run of differential they're at plus 17. The the Brewers are at plus 24. But I think a lot of that that run, you know, they had uh, them them being at plus uh, 17 is probably a lot to do with the fact that they played the Cubs and the Pirates to open up their season there. Uh, two teams that struggled in that first weekend. But yeah, uh, they're taking the Reds as my team that's cold. And I hate to do it because it, they are the big red contraption this year. I mean, they still are the big red contraption. That's the thing. You uh, hit the nail right on the head there in the fact that this is statistically and should be one of the best offenses in the league. I think if we can, if I can criticize us in one way, of course, I think we all everybody kind of focused a little too much on Trevor Bauer he was certainly the story of the offseason for most of it as with how long he waited to sign a contract but I don't think we gave the Cincinnati Reds enough credit for how many incredibly intriguing incredibly high potential offensive pieces they have on that team I mean you think of a guy like Tyler Naquin it's great to see this has been of course as I should I should prep with the fact that it's only been like 15 games what is it like yeah something around there uh 18 games it's been 18 games but he has been able to stay healthy and it's like the switch that a lot of people I guess from everything I've read thought was there for a while he's now finally getting a chance to really follow through on that you've got a lot of other guys in this team Nick Castellanos uh, Mike Moustakis those types of guys that are have always been good that people just kind of forget about on that team. This was always going to this really probably should have been recognized as going to be a good offensive team going into the year. And this pitching staff isn't up to snuff. This pitching staff, as as fun as the team overall might be, the pitching staff is not going to be able to keep them like it isn't going to be able to keep them out of having to outscore teams. All the time yeah i mean totally you, we saw what happened today they score 11 runs and they still lose by three that that cannot happen no well um lj unless you have anything else uh i think that that is going to do it for today's pod uh, yeah i'm all set brandon thank you all for listening yeah, thank you guys for, for listening to episode number 55 of the MLB Daily Podcast. 
Make sure you're following us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure that you're following Belly Up Sports on Twitter at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. LJ and I are also on Twitter. He's at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. That's going to do it for this one. Uh, Of course, we will see you guys tomorrow. Uh, Have a good Friday, everyone. Bye, y'all. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 